Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the future of the water and wastewater and the careers that you did not know about, okay, and the people that run it. Hey, I'm Dave Kosminski, your host, and we are live at the uh, at Cave, which is the annual conference and tech expo. And with us right now is, I think this is going to be episode 10, Eric. So we have a gentleman, Mr. Eric McPhee, is an, an old Portlandite from uh, my hometown, but he is the supervising environmental analyst from the Department of Public Health Water Supply Branch. Is that one? Did I get that right? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Close enough. All right. Step up to the mic there just a little bit. Okay. Uh, thanks for coming over, Eric. You, did, you had an awesome presentation. Okay. Yeah, it's it nice good to be doing uh, presentations in front of real people. Yes, good yes. Turnout too. Face-to-face, yes, and so forth. And I think everybody's a little bit COVID-tired, so they were anxious to, to get in, in front of people. So anyway, so tell us about your day job, Eric. Let me... Uh, so my day job is to facilitate uh, smart planning for water utilities, public water systems in Connecticut. We work to protect drinking water sources. We do a, a lot with um, working with partnerships with other state agencies, with municipalities, with councils of government, the regional governments, environmental groups, and try to put it all together to ensure that Connecticut has um, good water infrastructure, good water supplies, and a safe and adequate supply for now and in the future. We do a fair amount of regulatory work, but we like to try to uh, lean on our, our non-regulatory uh, support for public water systems and for communities instead of the regulatory parts. But we do do some permitting where if you want to use a new well for public water supply use, you have to get a permit from us and approval from us. If you want to have uh, recreational activities around your reservoir, like Portland does, you have to get a permit for recreational activities. So those are some of the other things we do. We uh-huh. regulate the whenever you want to put pesticides in a in a pond that ultimately ends up as drinking water. It's a it's a pretty rigorous uh, process to get that approved to right. ensure that you know we're really keeping our our drinking water sources as as pure and protected as possible. Well, I think Connecticut is. Uh you know, pretty high on the list is, uh, you know, from a primacy agency of uh, having some of the most pristine water in the nation, you know, for yep. sure. And that's we have, the good, we have good laws in place that help support that. And, you know, our, our public water systems are very conscientious and, and work very hard. Uh, so we work well with them to try to maintain what we have. We have a good thing, so we want to keep it that way. Absolutely. Great, great. So tell me, what was your first job in the water industry? This is obviously our podcast is, is premised on Trying to uh, attract new people and uh, I accepted this job while I was still in college. So nice. I, yep. So this is my first. You know, uh, Laurie did too. Oh, really? Yes, I had her on. Yes. Yeah. I was still. I was a senior, wrapping up my studies, and at that time, you could interview if you didn't have your degree yet. And they handed around a piece of paper twenty-five years ago or whatever, and I said, "Well, that looks interesting." And I interviewed, and and I've been here ever since. You know, it's good work, and. Um, I worked at a supermarket before. Hey, <laughs> I, I think at one time everybody did, right. you know, bag and groceries or whatever. So uh, now, uh, do, are you a UConn graduate? I graduated from the UConn School of Engineering in 1997. Ah, okay. So um, when you, uh, so what was your first job with the state? Uh, I was a, so I was called a sanitary engineer, and what mm-hmm. I did was I went out to all of these public water systems, some were very small and some were very large, and did physical inspections. We're required by uh, federal EPA to do inspections of the public water systems to make sure that they're in compliance with the rules and regulations. And I would go drive around the state, uh, do inspections, 
find violations and write up reports and, and make sure that they followed up with the things they had to. We'd also do uh, engineering approvals. If they were to make changes to their system uh, systems, we'd have to approve it before they did it to ensure that they were doing it the right way and that there were redundancies in place and protections sure. in place. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty fun job. Well, you know, um, as you know, uh, you know, our industry as well as your industry is, uh, well, we're both kind of in the same industry, is, is experiencing uh, or will be experiencing uh, a, a high degree of uh, retirements and you know everybody getting out and, and so forth so uh, the whole premise of me starting this podcast is uh you know hoping to uh make kids uh, young kids coming out of high school and entering college of uh you know aware of the careers that are available within this industry and it's a big tent and you know uh, you, you know you're running in shortages of you know in your field as well everyone talks about the tidal wave of retirements and the loss of institutional knowledge and how that's going to be a problem in the coming years it, it's already a problem and we are impacted every single day where you know someone retires that has 30 years of knowledge this has happened both on our side you know working within a state agency but also on the water utility side and, and i interact with the water utilities every single day about we have a source water collaborative where we're working with with experts in the field about protecting drinking water supplies we have our water utility coordinating committees where we have representatives from the water utilities that that, that are uh, helping to make smart decisions uh, at, a, at a state regional and utility level moving forward and there have been a significant number of these retirements with these people that have all these great ideas to share and all this great um, history and knowledge and uh, once they're gone it's lost and, it, and it's simply not being replaced I have quarterly meetings um, with the water industry and the, the numbers keep dropping because every time someone retires there's no one to fill their shoes uh, so it's, it's really important that we start to um, have new young people that are, are getting into the industry and getting involved there's, there's so much opportunity to get into the industry and then start to create these relationships through these committees and through these efforts that we're taking because we're losing people that are retiring and, and there's no one, there is no one new uh, that takes their place that sort of learns the ropes and then becomes sure. involved in the bigger picture issues for the state for drinking water. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know as well as I, I mean, uh, you know, I was, uh, uh, oh, got 10 years ago started my water and people class, okay, which is basically a, a high school class which uh, was uh, uh, given uh, – high school seniors the opportunity to become certified as operators and uh that uh gained some national attention but you know you know the kind of the after a while the air comes out of the balloon it's it's like you have to keep uh pumping it up uh from, from that standpoint and uh, you know the, the the nice thing about the, the the water industry is as well as the wastewater industry it's a big tent okay um the careers that are in there you don't necessarily have to come out uh and have a college degree and you can get in at, at various levels, and uh, if you want to further your education, you can. And, you know, and obviously uh, your, your degree is in engineering and so forth. But, you know, um, when I started out uh, in the water industry uh, almost 50 years ago, okay, I, I was uh, just a regular meter reader, okay? Went on the road crew, fixed leaks, fixed, you know, moved up, got into cross connections, you know, the whole nine yards. And, uh, and you know, from the engineering side, I'm sure you see a lot of the same things, you know. Yep, and college is very, very expensive. I have two children who, who are looking oh. at potentially going to college in the coming years. It is, it is shockingly expensive, and I think you had a very important point is that, you know, you can – this is a trade, and you can, you know, you can get into 
the water industry right out of high school. You can be trained on the job, and you can be making a good salary. And the opportunities only start from there. Yes. You can you, once you you can start work. It doesn't mean that you're locked into doing that. You can gr- grow, and build. Go back to school. And, you know, you get into it, and and your role can get bigger and better, and and you can expand your role. Um, after starting a job, I think the the old school way is high school, college, and then you get your job. Um, it's it's maybe time to start rethinking that. Yeah, well, I think you know the the other thing too is that you know college as you as you're finding out is fortunately that ship has sailed for me. I'm done with that, but uh, uh, it's it's just so expensive. You know, kids are coming out of college today, and it, you know they're uh, anywhere from sixty to seventy thousand, even over a hundred k in debt with uh, with college loans, and uh, you know it takes a long time to pay that back. You know, as far as uh, you know, when you when you do start working, right. uh, and it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, you're right. I think uh, uh, getting in, and I think most uh, most employers, I know uh, our, our second podcast, I had Maureen Westbrook, who's the president of the Connecticut Water Company, was on, and uh, Connecticut Water, obviously, you know, is a uh, one of our larger investor owns, but um, they they offer uh, advancement within their utility. They'll uh, uh, tuition reimbursement, the whole nine yards, and I think most, most utilities will, will do that, you know, as far as that goes. Uh, does the state do that uh, on the state subsidy? Unfortunately, no. I, I think that you know you have a set um, requirement for the for to be able to apply for a position. You have to meet the requirement. Not all of the state jobs are require college education. Right. But you can go on to the DAS. It's the Connecticut Department of Administrative Services website, mm-hmm. and all of the job postings are listed there. Mm-hmm. So you'll know right off the bat if you know whether it needs a college degree or whether it needs experience. Uh, and then you can apply online, and um, you know you'll be contacted for those positions. So there's a lot of state jobs that are out there. Yes. Um, within our drinking water section, um, most of the positions, unfortunately, require a college education. Right. Right. Well, I, you know, I, somebody's telling me that uh, within the next eight months, there's going to be a, a, a deluge of state uh, retirements yep. as far as that goes. So. Uh, again, starting to you know refill that knowledge base because once that knowledge base walks out the door, um, you know, and, and unfortunately the the reality of the situation, the way, uh, just the way business is run today, you know, you got one guy walking out this door, the new guy's walking in the other door, and never the twain shall meet. You know, I mean, normally in the old days you used to have uh, you know a six month shadowing or mentoring project to where right. we work. call it succession planning and ideally as you start to think about retirement you try to capture you know all the things you've learned and all the things you've done uh and put it to get, compile it in a way that the yeah. next person that takes that position has all that institutional knowledge in yeah. front of them yeah. in an ideal world that would be done for yeah. everyone yeah. But yeah. as we all know it's not always <laughs> Ex- ideal exactly so um you know getting getting back to the water industry uh What's your most favorite ex- memory in, in, the, in the water industry? I, uh, okay, I can tell you right off the bat what it was. I was, you know, so a lot of the land around reservoirs is, is kind of off limits to um, the public. Um, you know, there are security concerns with parts of the, of the reservoir systems. And, and, you know, some, some utilities allow you to do hiking or stuff through passive the systems, recreation. passive recreation. Other ones, it, it's, it's hands off. And, and it, as I was telling you my story about how I started as a sanitary engineer, we were doing an inspection of um, 
one of the water utilities, and part of it was to go out into the, the reservoir system yep. with the watershed inspector, the, the maintainer that they had that was responsible for that. And, and I spent an entire day driving around you know, places that very few people had been, and he was showing me, you know, osprey nests, and he's showing me this, and this is where the bald eagles are, and, and I was like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. I got to drive around and, and see just sort of this spectacular, almost wilderness that, that yeah. wasn't available to most people, so I, I always remember that day as being one of the, the, the funnest day, most fun days I had at work. It's also very cool when you get to go to one of these uh, surface water treatment plants, yeah. and you see the technology and the scale of, of every... Uh, every little thing that they're doing here in these gigantic buildings and these gigantic filters. And I think that would be a great way to get, you know, young people maybe um, energized about a job like that is to see what goes into actually providing drinking water and look at these huge treatment plants and all their technology. It's very impressive yeah, the operation is. that they run. And, you know, I think that would be, it's a fun field trip for anyone to, to yeah, visit Yeah, and that's, that w- you know, when before COVID, what I used to do in, in my water and people classes was, uh, you know, we, we arranged a lot of treatment plant tours, uh, a lot of water utility tours, so the people, the students could actually see uh, what they do. And in the last uh, about f- four or five years, I've uh, taught uh, water boot camps for MDC, where MDC, uh, you know, uh, sends letters out to their, uh, you know, uh, their, their towns, and, and we usually get, get about, uh, you know, a dozen students or so, and we do a two-week uh, instruction and, and so forth, and then... Uh, we take tours of, of their facilities, and then after the two weeks, they would, uh, depending on their interest, they would get embedded in the, in the departments, and uh, it, it's amazing the interest. You know, some were interested in, you know, uh, meter reading. Some were interested in construction. Some were interested in, in environmental. Some were interested in wastewater. So it's it, it was uh, it's very interesting. So when you see uh, students look at you know a lot of these operations. And, uh, and a lot of them are, you know, are very complex, you know, with the treatment systems yep. and so forth and the mechanical systems that they have involved um, that have to be maintained uh, in order to provide, you know, safe drinking water. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's really reassur- uh, kind of reassuring, you know, kids get interested. You see the kind of the deer in a headlight look and they're like, wow, you know, they are big balloons uh, come out there. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's, that, that's the thing. Um, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, I know you helped us quite a bit in Portland. You know, uh, I used to do the watershed inspections around the, uh, our reservoir, okay, obviously, which is now just a, an emergency supply. But um, I you issued know. your permit for the, for the hiking. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. And uh, I think uh, John Lachane was uh, very, very gracious, you know, uh, accepting of that. He's the, he's the, the, uh, the Mishamasic Hiking Club. I, I know him, yeah. You, you know yep, John? I do. And actually, uh, John's son, actually Philip, is is going to be doing some of the post processing on this on this podcast, so, nice uh, and so forth. But uh, you know, uh, you know, the our watershed. Uh, I mean, like you know, a lot of other watersheds. I mean, we're we're fortunate. Uh, probably ninety percent of it is, is is surrounded by state forest, so that buffers a lot of uh, uh, you know the water quality from you know uh, construction and you know possible contaminants and so forth. And, but like you say, there's there's a lot of history in Mishamasic, you know, with the uh, uh, you know the the, the 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 snakes that are up there, and you know everything else, and, and so the Nike forth. missile sites, the Nike missile sites, yeah. the you know, the brownfield sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many how many times did you crawl through the Nike site? I have never 
found it. We went up there one time, and, and I understand there's two different locations. There's yes. one where the people were ha- were housed, where the people that Correct. were stationed, and yep. then there's the actual site itself. And yep. I guess there's been some effort to make sure that people don't go crawling around in there as much. Yeah, they 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 fill the silos. Right. Pretty much. But you That's can probably st- a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so for yeah, the, the the part of the side because that was. Uh, where they where they had the actual silos, uh, and then the other part was that's where they supposedly pushed the buttons. Right. And go pull. Yeah. We hike. We love hiking up there, but we go more along the ridge. Oh, okay. Further south of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously we do also hike around the the, the reservoir, but we've never put it together, and it's sort of halfway in between. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Well, you, uh, Mulford Road goes this way, and Reservoir Road, you know, goes that way. So right. yes, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of history, and it's and it's 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 absolutely gorgeous up there. You know, from the, the hiking standpoint, the scenery, the uh, the scenery, the birds, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is. So, uh, great. Um, now, I- as far as, uh, for the most part, uh, on your, anal- uh, utilize, you're, you're starting to utilize a lot more GIS. And, and, uh, GIS is a great way to be able to analyze things that you can't see yourself. It's also a great way to visualize things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to visualize. So it's a phenomenal tool. It's obviously it's all rooted in good data. I mean, data is you you can't use, you can't make good decisions out of bad data. Yeah. So so the challenge is to is to have good data, compile the data, and then you can use a GIS to do some really exciting, yeah. wonderful things. And and like the pr- the presentation that I did right before the um, this podcast uh, in front of all those people was was to look at every piece of land in Connecticut and understand how important it is to protecting drinking water quality. And that's, that's, you know, something that I think no one um, has thought about. And it's not something that when you were a a land use, local land use official, you would have never had access to. And now you'll have a tool that um, makes you understand the stakes and understand how important the the land is to, to, to protecting drinking water. So, you know, that's one example of of how GIS is important. Another one is this effort with lead service lines. I mean, yes. there's there's going to be, you know, half a million, ever changing new data points. Yes. Where we're as a state and as a nation, looking at getting rid of all lead service lines. Yeah. And that there's a lot of data behind that, and it has to be managed. And again, GIS is a great tool, as we saw in some of those presentations, to be able to prioritize prior to prioritize areas to understand where we were more likely to find lead service lines and then also to chart your progress. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of public uh, interest in getting rid of lead. And, you know, if you can map that and and show people dashboards and story maps and all these cute things, uh, they're going to understand that it's a work in progress and and people working very hard to to get rid of lead. You know, I guess they always say that pictures are worth a thousand words. Uh, And and on the other hand, by the same token, uh, from the, integrity of the data is is if it's garbage in it's garbage out right you know so and for the public you know it's really important that they're going to be able to sort of zoom into their house sure click on their house and see data specific to their house and that's you know when you're looking at a a map on a in a book that's one thing but now if you can see that people are actually looking at you and looking at protecting you from lead and be able to get specific information about their neighborhood and their house i mean that's going to be a a game changer for from public perception perspective. Yeah, I remember years ago we used to be able to go to get a state and get a the geodetical survey map, you know, the green map and had all the little yep. dots you on bring it. out your magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. So yeah, that, that that's that's for sure. Um, now do you, do you see a lot of the um, 
regulation, obviously, is changing. In fact, uh, when you would talk about lead, I, I was able to uh, uh, interview Sheila Lai, uh, yeah. who's from Blue Conduit, and, is, and her company actually is from Flint, Michigan. And uh, they, they put together some, some pretty impressive data as far as uh, algorithms. And what, yeah, so what they're doing is very cool. They're trying to be predictive in knowing where to go next, where yeah. the, the highest likelihood of lead is. And also, how do you know how much... Uh, how many people to hire, how much money to ask for if you don't know how much lead there is. So yeah. her, her analysis, what they offer, it would, would allow people to sort of estimate, you know, how much lead there actually is in their system. Yeah, for sure. And again, like you said, it's the more data you can throw at a specific property, the higher the likelihood that you get a, a reasonably accurate answer as to whether right. or not there's lead there. No, absolutely, absolutely. Now, do you find most of, um, you know, I don't think in Portland um, – I think the only thing that, that I'm aware of that we have, I mean, we have, you know, a, a, a fair amount of uh, or a few lead goosenecks still left, but I don't think we have that many uh, full-service lines left. You know, most of it's all lead goosenecks, which I have uh, in the trunk of my car when I <laughs> teach the water and people class and I pass around a lead gooseneck. Right. And I say, holy crap, this thing's heavy. Uh, and with a hole in it, you know, right. so forth with the leaks that burn through. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think... Um, are, are most towns pretty much, uh, are, there, are there a lot of towns with complete lead lines? I don't, I don't know that we have towns that have, you know, 90-something percent lead lines. There, yeah. there is one town that there's preliminary data for, so I won't mention which town it is, that seems to have a very high percentage. And a lot of it is really all about, like, you know, did there, was there a lot of growth in that town in a certain period? Right, right. And if that's the case, there's a much higher likelihood that there was a lot of lead that was put in. Um, and there's there's certainly one town that it, it the preliminary appearance is that there was quite a bit there based on just the, and it's not a it's not a function of the town. It's a function of just the geography of where growth occurred. Right. At, and the know, time at the, that it at occurred. The right. Well, exactly. I mean, how many years ago was Transite Pipe? The, the next thing's in sliced bread. Yeah. You know, I mean, we put a fair amount of that stuff in in town. Oh, it's light, it's durable, and all right. that kind of stuff. It's not durable anymore. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, um, anyway, so uh, on a personal side, wh what do you do for hobbies? What do I do for hobbies? I love to uh, golf and ski and hike. Um, Jeez, I think we've got all of those amenities in town. I, yeah, there's a lot of good golf and, and <laughs> there's decent hiking, close. Yeah. It's ha have you tried the new uh, virtual driving range yet, Chris Cody's? What I did do was the Chris Cody's outdoor one where you can hook your phone up to on your bay right, and right it tells you how right. bad of a shot you hit. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I've done that a few times. So. Well, the, the, and then the technology is, is, is crazy. You know, yes. Are you pushing it left? Are you pushing it right? They even have one on the inside of the building where it, it, it analyzes your putt. Yeah, I haven't done that one. You yet. know, that's yeah. like, it's like insane. So anyway, um, so some of the other questions I, I've asked, okay, um, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what, what, what would that be? Are we not taking health into consideration? Nah, no, 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 no. That's, that's it. Oh, man. That's a tricky one. Either a good steak or a good slice of pizza. I okay. Pizza, pizza's, uh, that, that's uh, a... Sally's in New Haven. That's oh, one. yeah. You know, I, uh, uh, we do a podcast at the music store, okay? And one of the guys that we interviewed was Dean Falcone. And Dean Falcone, I don't know if you're familiar, but he was the producer uh, of the New Haven pizza movie. I don't know if you've... If I you haven't. Know. Sounds yeah. like something I'd watch. It, it's, it's, a, it's a pizza movie, but it basically it's a uh, uh, kind of a uh, 
chronological history of, of you know, pizza's supposed to be the, the pizza capital of the world. So, but, you know, you've, you've got Sally's, you've got Modern, you've got... Uh, uh, Pepe's. Pepe's. Car. car, you know, so the... Uh, so he shows up for a podcast, okay, with three Sally Pies. Nice. Ah, oh, it was awesome. It's, it, it was great. And he says, you know, he says, he says, the pie loses its integrity once it hits the box. He says, nah, he says, it's got to be fresh. But he had three Sally Pies. I, and that's, that's the first time I had a Sally pizza in a while. Ugh, it was, it's, it was, it's magical crust. There's yes, no, it is. There's no crust on earth like that. Yes, it is. Yes, for sure, for sure. So anyway. All right. So that being said, um, uh, we can go from there. Uh, as far as uh, any recommendations for young students coming out of high school, what? Th- think about where you want to be. You know, there's a lot of opportunities right now. There's, there's, you know, uh, with COVID, a lot of people retired sooner than they were going to, and uh, there's a lot of retirements anyway. Like mm-hmm. it is a t- uh, unprecedented opportunity for young people to, to to sort of do cool things for work, and and so take advantage. Ask questions and and see what's out there and yeah. and you know it's it's your time it's a, it's a it's a good time to be getting work for sure yeah for sure for sure so anyway all right last question favorite sports sports team which uh, I am a diehard UConn men's basketball right. fan I am a season ticket holder I was very upset at last night's loss but it looks like we're we're looking pretty good heading into the Big East tournament and then the NCAA tournament after that yeah so. I think. Uh, yeah, Hurley, I think was uh, was a good move. Love him. You know, I think uh, he's yep. he's turned the program around. Uh, uh, does a great job with the kids. You can tell his mentoring goes far beyond basketball. He yep. just he really truly cares about the kids. Uh, great recruiter. Yeah. Um, his half court offense needs a little work. It's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah. The defense now, is phenomenal. Is his son Danny Hurley? His son is Danny. He has two he, sons, I believe. Danny yeah. is is actually on the team. He gets in once in a while as a walk on. Yeah, but was wasn't there Hurley that played for Kentucky? Okay, so there were two. So there's the the two Hurleys are Bobby and Danny. Bobby okay. Hurley played for Duke. He was Duke, a very okay. famous yeah. point guard for Duke, the hated Duke Blue Devils. Uh, and and Danny Hurley played for Seton Hall, so he was in the Big East playing against UConn when he was playing in college. Okay, are those his sons or? So that's, is it Bo- Bobby Senior? Is a very famous. Is it Bobby? Yeah, it must be Bobby Senior. Their father is a very famous high school basketball coach, legendary okay. high school basketball coach who was inducted into the Hall of Fame as okay. a coach, and his two sons are Danny and Bobby, who oh. both played uh, high level D one basketball. Okay. Now. Now, Bobby Hurley is the coach of Arizona State, I believe. Oh, okay. and, and then Danny, obviously, Yukon. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah. good. All right. Eric McPhee, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, Eric, you're the uh, supervising environmental analyst, okay, for the Department of uh, Public Health Drinking Public Water Health. Section. Uh, no, I think it's branch. No, I guess. Well, right. we have, so, right, so it's an environmental health and drinking water branch, but under the branch yes. is our section. Our section. Drinking okay. water section. Yeah, we well, still exist. Yeah, I, I, I introduced Lori as drinking water section. No, she's well, she was promoted, so she's got yes. a bigger, she's up bigger umbrella that she's working over now. Yes, so. for sure. All right. Yes. Anyway, all right. All right Ladies and gentlemen, that is our, I think it's about episode 11. We're here at the At Cave Convention over here at Aquaturf. And uh, with us, uh, Mr. Eric McPhee from the Department of Public Health. And uh, this is the future of the water and wastewater uh, industry and the careers you didn't know about. I'm your host, Dave Kaczynski, and thank you so much. We'll see you next time.